I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's a, that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Welcome to Feeding Curiosity. Wait a second. Welcome to Feeding Curiosity. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible is something that I use all of the time. And basically, if I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm using Audible. And with our podcast, we're going to give you guys a one-month free trial. If you use our link, audibletrial.com slash feedingcuriosity, and it'll be in the description below. But basically, what this will get you guys is one-month free trial. So you get a free book for a month, and then you get to do, if you keep the membership, you guys get awesome audiobooks. And if it wasn't for podcasts like ours, I would never have gotten into Audible. And so with that, everyone, let me give you some examples of what you should maybe pick up on your own. But there's many options out there. Like you can check our book list on the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and see all the books we've been mentioning in our posts and blogs and things like that. Well, my current book, I'm actually reading this one though, but is How to Change Your Mind, my mind by Michael Pollan. And also, we also mentioned neuroplasticity in this current podcast. And a good book to kind of dig into skill building and things like that is uh, Talent Code by Dan Coyle. Uh, that book actually changed my life and how I view skill building instead of just seeing it as an inborn talent. So with that, everyone, I want to send you guys over to audibletrial.com slash feedingcuriosity, a link in the description of the podcast, and get your free book today. Hello, everyone. Eric Wenzel here, and we're back with another episode of Feeding Curiosity. And today's episode is just going to be a podcast with my friend Joe. And we basically just kind of do a little bit of a recap of what we've been doing over the summer and how our basically our summers unfolded over the last four months. And then we also kind of dig into what we've been doing currently. Like I've started my first week of the uh, fall semester of, of school at college, and he's about to go back to um, University of Michigan. And as of this recording, once he's live, he'll be back there now. But kind of just like our expectations, what we've been doing, what I've been listening to, or just books and stuff in general um, that are kind of on our mind, or just even like tactical tips. Like I kind of talk about um, decluttering your space or like how to organize yourself with some other tactical things that I've been listening to in other places. So, yeah, with that, it's just a little bit of a chill podcast. No special guests or anything this time around, but always great to talk to Joe and kind of pick each other's brains and have. A fun time. So with that, everyone, here we go with podcast number 11. We're live. And we're in. Well, we're not live, unfortunately. Live. Well, we're, we could be live. We could be live. I don't know if being live is necessarily what I'd want to do anyway. On air? On air? But doesn't that mean that you're streaming across the air? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when they say that they're broadcasting. We're just recording. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our fucking podcast where we just record. We don't do it live, so fuck you if you thought we were. That's going to alienate any listeners, I hope. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, I guess it's like the beginning of the end. 
Cause for you, me. Yeah, because you, well, I've already started school, and you're oh, leaving yeah. for school uh, at the end of this week. Friday. Yeah, so right now it's, let's see, August 29th, so basically you start next week. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. How's it going so far for you? It's pretty easy. Like, I have classes from 11 to, like, 1.30, and then after that it, I had, so then on Tuesdays it's, I have senior design. So that's it only goes until so I have a, basically a huge window until like 5 p.m. So because my senior design project is finishing this semester, so I kind of did that on purpose. So if I need to do extra time to work on stuff, then I have okay. that time huge down. block of time to make sure I have enough things to be ready for. Because basically at the end of the semester with the senior design project is I'm done, more or less. Because right. I just have elective stuff that's really not okay, that so difficult. It's coasting after that. Project. Yeah, for the most part. Well, that's good. <laughs> it feels nice, but at the same time, I got a lot of, like, my own work to give myself, basically, with yeah. this project, which, for me, it's fun, so... So it won't be too bad. Yeah. Plus, it's like, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. You know, and I, don't, I keep... I can't help but get the feeling that the semester will go by fast, just because, like, the older... Every semester seems to go by faster than the one before it. Yeah. That's probably just an age thing, but... Plus, you kind of get used to it, like, because last semester was all new for you, being yeah. in a new school and all that stuff, and now that you've kind of been there for a semester, you kind of can go into it, and you got, you know, it's like a support network, I yeah. guess. I'm afraid I'll get complacent. Like, I definitely, this whole summer, <laughs> I was super complacent, like, totally yeah. lethargic. I fell back into old habits. Like, I, as soon as I came home, I was like, well, I made one big mistake, which was thinking that it was going to be an easy summer. That was, like, And then see it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, that that's problem number one was just... Uh, that I thought things were going to be easy. Mm. They were, they could have been easy, but in Fort, like based on, how do I explain this? So I was taking the stats course, right? right? Yeah. The, the and, transfer co- courses over the summer. Right. And it was just on, it was an online course that and another philosophy course. It was just an intro course. So really easy kind of basic intro stuff. So I was like, okay, I should be okay. The ones online. I've heard that, it's easy online whatever but the course ended up being so fucking disorganized and like the first day on that monday when i checked like okay the class begins this monday let's do it so i checked right. the emails and i'm looking at everything find out that he posted two weeks worth of shit over the weekend whoa that beginning weekend so he posted that friday two work two weeks worth of stuff that was due Monday night. So the first day that the class was actually scheduled to begin, it's two oh weeks worth of shit. So God. I spent that entire first fucking day doing nothing but attempting to teach myself multiple chapters of statistics. That's insane. So it was like right off the bat, it was like, no, no, this is whole You're thing. You're already behind. Gonna, yeah, already <laughs> behind. It's already giving me a pain in the ass. So the whole, that whole semester was just obnoxious. Wow. But the, I felt like the subject wasn't that difficult, that it was being made difficult. Right. By the course. Well, plus it's like everything accelerated for a summer class, so the teacher has to play, cram half, twice the yeah. amount of stuff in half the time. So. Yeah, I mean, to some degree, it's not the dude's fault, right? Right, Like, yeah. he just, he, there's time constraints in the pain. But the way that he handled it, like, the way that he laid it out, and the fact that he wouldn't respond to some of my emails, and it was like getting a hold of him was a pain. And yeah, that's annoying. The whole thing seemed like a pain in the ass, so... This whole su- summer for me has been a bit of a just annoying, just an annoying summer. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh fuck. Just a so drag. I'm, I'm ready to get back to 
the that kind of learning environment that's like more serious and right. better organized and be around people that are kind of on the same page. Yeah, I was gonna say plus like the environment around here is like everyone's at kind of a different page. Yeah. You know, there's like a, some people that aren't in school, some people that are, some people that are like there's doing an, whatever, like you know what I'm just talking about within our own like average yeah. network of people. <laughs> like our group of friends is pulled in a thousand different directions. Right, yeah. Right. But and even in like the philosophy class I thought was a really good example because even in that class where everyone's there to, to learn that thing you get a huge variance of people that why they're doing it just to fulfill some right, credit yeah. a handful that are maybe interested mm-hmm. but now the professor has to teach the lowest common denominator yeah so so I'm immediately like fucking like come on like we're not even touching <laughs> the interesting stuff especially for you because you're already pretty high level because of your own Explorations in the topic. Yeah, like I've been interested in it a while now, and having at least done one high-level philosophy course in Michigan, and then going right from that to this was like just a punch in the gut of like, oh come on! And so many people. <laughs> it's really annoying too because you get all these people that are like that really are just there. For, I don't even know why they're there. They could, I guess, just for the credit. But it's it's usually like one of the elective requirements. Like yeah, it's like, it's a like social, a humanities. It's like humanities slash social science elective credit, sadly. Right. And that's all they're there for. So they just, it's like they just don't give a fuck. So it's like when we could be doing something interesting or learning something worthwhile, it's it's the whole the soul is sucked out of it of the whole room like oh there's the room itself the whole room is like has lost any life to it and this poor professor has to like try to get people excited about the topic Mm -hmm. and it's apps it's a fucking drag Mm -hmm. it's like oh christ i'm like i don't know it's the symptom of plus it's like to put the time in right yeah because you're just locked in this room for not really locked, but you know, <laughs> right for whatever like hour and a half or two hours that the class is in session for, and then you go home and then you come back twice a week or once a week or whatever it was. Right, <laughs> and it's just it it's almost like I f- I feel like I'm getting robbed of the real intricate education that could be delivered. Right. Yeah. Like there's this potential energy there, right? It's just sitting, waiting to be used, and because no one wants to put in any effort, mm-hmm. the you never touch it. Yeah. Like, like I can, it's like a conduit. <laughs> when I realized how bad it was, was when we started talking about some really interesting stuff about, I think it was Hume and like his thoughts on art and a handful of other things. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking, it got more intricate and more, there's like a handful of us that were really involved. We're like, Oh cool. Everybody's asking yeah. questions, kind of pushing back, coming up with objections, whatever. And then the professor kind of stops us and goes, listen, here's what I'm saying. There's, like, four people that are getting increasingly interested and, like, 25 people. Yeah, with glassy foreheads. just <laughs> zoning out. And I was like, fuck. And now we're going to go back to the boring shit because 25 people don't want to pay the fuck attention. Yeah. I'm like, great. That's pretty rough. Like, I, didn't, I definitely didn't have that experience at Michigan because, I mean, part of it, too, might be because it was an upper-level course. Yeah, you I know, would say. It's, nobody's taking that for an intro Right. Humanities credit or something. Nobody's going to take a 300-level philosophy course for that. Yeah. So, it's like 200, 200 and below is just weeding out courses to make sure that right. people are there because they really want to be there. So when you're taking like a 101 or what I think it's like philosophy 105 at yeah, yeah. college. So I took the same thing but online. But like, you know, when you take something like that, that's just there to fulfill requirements and 
it's like the, the the weeding out process begins at that level. So if you're lost at that level, you might as well not even continue at that point. I know it's it's just annoying. Oh yeah, for so sure. So this I I felt uh, almost like this was a near pointless summer. It wasn't a pointless summer. I I got those credits. Did they go Michigan. through Michigan? Yeah, so okay, I went cool. through. That's awesome. At I'll least. tell you about something offline that was really crazy that happened, to me, but <laughs> that's not for the public to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But so that got all figured out. So it definitely wasn't a waste of time. Right. It was just like I feel like I didn't learn much. Right. The 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 sum total of what you gained was just not, so low. Yeah. It just it's ain't. like I basically got a check in the box. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I didn't just want to check in the box. Yeah. <laughs> I want to actually learn something along the way. But when you're doing like intro level ish classes to kind of yeah. fill the requirements, you can't really beat what you pay for. I guess from that, from that kind of perspective, like yeah. it could be you know it could always be better, right? But. You know. I know it's just a little upsetting. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it's, it's because you when you juxtapose it from the environment you were just in to, to a community college right, intro the, class <laughs> over the summer. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like a big when difference. you when you juxtapose it, you're just like, oh Jesus! Like, Especially like, you know, like University of Michigan, like juxtaposition, like because <laughs> if you juxtapose it, like if I say I did that for NIU, it probably wouldn't be like much different, right? You know, categorically. Right, it's just, it's just yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, it, it's just a little. Fun. Everything's a gradient, is, is what I keep thinking about. You know, is <laughs> you just gotta find the place that works. And I really like Michigan, and I'm hoping that I continue to like Michigan this next semester. And uh, but I'm I'm kind of like half worried that I'll get there, and then now that you're comfortable, kind now of. that I'm a little more comfortable, <laughs> that I'll get too comfortable. Right, especially because you have the VA people and. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I can manage pretty well, and I'm surrounded by. I think that why that won't happen is one, I've kind of already set the precedent there. Okay, cool. Like, I notice that if I move places and whatever I set that precedent as, wherever those they those spaces become a different mindset when I go there. Right. Yeah. They become so that as soon as I get there, I can usually hop into that mindset, and that that the, now the mindset at Michigan is a hard focus on academic achievement yeah so i think that's working in my favor i'm just uh gotta be wary right yeah because it's like when you go there it's like either either you create a new mindset or you you know and sometimes that's the content's fault too where the mindset just you know it Mm desynchronizes because that's i think what happened when i went to niu is is there was a desynchronization because you know it comes it trickles down from the professors like if the professors give you enough you know like a thread to to lean off of or pull where you can you know feed your own curiosity not to hey <laughs> not to plug her own name but like that's what i think is where the de- desynchronization happened for me is like because i, I kind of like see parallels now since i'm kind of so far removed from harper mm-hmm. and then i've been going to niu it's like when i was in harper i could kind of like i was given breadcrumbs to be able to to build my knowledge base right right i was like oh i like you know i get some sort of basic of electrical you know engineering foundations for circuit design i'm like oh so that's why you know something in the real world works you know i take Mm -hmm. it the next step further mentally right you can kind of pick up and run with it right whereas like the d-slick now is like there's this stuff we're learning and i'm like i don't see the point you know there's a there's this like it just seems like old or outdated or you know it just doesn't so the information the, you're getting is just not that applicable right yeah like i'm better off like you know going online and like finding some sort of instructables thing where i can go build my own something or another and then go from there like you know like guess, why am i <laughs> taking this class if it's not actually going to be what yeah. i use later on like the, the only like saving grace right now is the the senior design project we're building is is basically it was so broad 
that it was our group was able to pick whatever the heck we wanted to do and our because our topic is automation so like go figure yeah. right well, there's a lot you can automate I, I could just put like n- topics in a hat and draw one and that could be yeah. <laughs> automated so the, the saving grace is since i work in an engineering setting already it, i was like what can i do from work that's directly applicable applicable applicable, a- applicable there we go um and then basically marry the two together be like capstone for work because they're helping i've been working there for like four years now plus school and then it's apple for a senior design project so the school and my work both look great you know and it's self-driven by me because i picked it and my work didn't tell me to do it and school didn't tell me to do it so it's kind of like i'm a startup it's oh, your <laughs> thing right it's like your baby now yeah you know? it's like my baby and then like because work trusts me they're just like yeah just send us the parts list we'll order whatever the heck you need because like school gives us a, part, a dollar limit of, like 200 bucks but i you know because i've worked now who's our, <laughs> you can who's our sponsor um i i have like this you know it's like all of the, you know, benefit is on someone else, but it's like I get to play with the kind of thing. That's pretty cool. So I get this kind of really cool thing. And then what I'm are you th- making? So at work, we do what is called a IP test. So that stands for ingress protection. So it's either dust testing. So like say you put like um, like my laptop or even this microphone on mm-hmm. the table. Um, you, you would what you want to do is you, you basically put them inside of a predefined t- chamber. So it's one it's three meters by three meters cube. Okay. And then you put a dust inside there, usually talcum powder, because it's so light mm-hmm. that when you agitate it with compressed air... It, okay, it'll find its way into any place it can. Yeah. So so n- most of the time we do, like, for outdoor enclosure or, like, factory settings for, like, uh, sealed containers. So then you see if dust gets inside, and then basically you make the, the educated guess that if, say, that dust was conductive in some way, mm-hmm. like metal filings that are really fine, and it landed on a circuit board, it would be fry the circuit board in some way or make it improper right, function right right um so that's one side of it that's dust and then we the one we're doing is water so it, it goes from like simulating dripping rain like rain like water mm-hmm. all the way up to like a fire hose like 100 liters per minute which is a uh, 78 gallons roughly <laughs> um but we're doing the mid-range one so it's 12 and a half liters per minute so it's like a garden hose like your typical just like if you sprayed someone with it right like, right on your tap water whatever it is you have so yeah. the way we do it right now is, is we have to stand they're manually like we have to check the flow rate by hand with the with the stopwatch and a beaker we just divide it by four because it's a by minute so we do instead of doing standing there for a minute to measure the flow we just do 15 seconds and then multiply right, up, it, right, right, just to make it easier a proportion <laughs> yeah it's just okay. a proportion um but because of that it's like it just doesn't it the repeatability from the scientific method because i'm a skilled user at this point i'm really good at knowing how to set the flow where to stand you know but the, since the sample shapes are different i have to know like you know i'm holding it and that you know it's arcing the water the water but if i'm not paying attention like if i'm trying to like take a picture or something my hand will like shake this way or this way a little bit so there's not a lot of repeatability and like precision so we're basically building a pseudo wall for this that will inset the nozzle and then we can adjust the height so what you're building is a thing like a system to 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 create make this more reliably testing when you're doing these tests yes okay so it's you're not. It's not that you're testing something. Is that you're making something better for the test? Yeah, itself. for the to do conduct said test. Okay. Yeah, I'm just kind of explaining it background wise. And then so basically, what it'll do is, instead of me having to stand there for the duration of the test, I'll just be able to walk over there, check all the parameters, hit like a start button, and walk away for the duration, and then come back after it's done. You know, 
and then rotate it or whatever you need to do if there's multiple sides that need to be tested or something, mm-hmm. and then hit the button again and walk away. So you basically, it turns into this multiple, multiplicative process of time saving plus a more robust like way of showing to the customer like this is what you should expect every time you know this is you know there's no human error anymore involved there's always right. you know it's consistent yeah it's consistency reliable. increased and then it just looks more professional because when you have this structure there and like just from right like, <laughs> as opposed to some dude with a fire hose right yeah <laughs> it's an actual can you thing. imagine like someone there smoking a cigarette like, oh. yeah right <laughs> right <laughs> some <that's>, asshole right <laughs> So basically, that's what we want to do, and and you know, for for me because I have like a lot of skill behind doing this for like four years, it just makes it less, um, you know, that repeatability. Because like, you kind of have to know like what you're testing, right? Because we're testing ceiling, right? So you can just spray somewhere, but there couldn't be a, there. Obviously, there might not be a seal there. So, are you really getting a good test? There's like you know that question then. So if you have a thing that's set to like hit the weakest part of it you know right at the seal mm-hmm. then you have a better consistency then you know okay because you're, you're testing the seal you're not right. testing the thing yeah because if you just spray it at the thing then it's not really right <laughs> so you can laser focus in on exactly the thing you yeah. want to test and Plus have a consistent amount of water or whatever yeah going through um and then you know i just have some simple like programming stuff to do and the the other part of it is from a like looking at it from kind of like a business standpoint all of these pieces of equipment so like there's like five or six different tests that are te- technically water spray, but the way they're designed because the the market is very niche, they the companies build one system for one test, and they cost multiple thousands of dollars to buy those things because they're very specific, right? Right. And so when you ever like if you need to buy one of these things, it'll cost you you know like ten grand to build an entire like repertoire of having the specific equipment. Whereas we're designing something that can right now only do one of them things. But what I hope to do is this will put the baseline precedent and then we can expand it into like, you know, encompassing all waterproof tests at like a fraction of the whole cost that it would be for a company to buy all the specific equipment. So what you want is to have an end product that can be scaled upward and is consistent and applicable to multiple types of things that you're testing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like I have this whole groundwork that I've been thinking about for a little while now, but it's it just feels really cool to be able to try because like you know our budget right now is a fraction of what and like looking at it from a fraction of what they would price one of those at is like five grand and we're like five hundred dollars. Right. Parts. Right. <laughs> so you know when we look at it that way, it's, it's you know from work's perspective, the budget is co- covered from one test like profit wise hmm. almost it's so it's just it's just an interesting idea because i've been kind of playing around with the numbers and trying to see like it pays for itself almost and then once you get it working and it encompasses more things then it that just keeps adding right right to it. <laughs> it just kind of compounds yeah is that how you got your job to help pay for this yeah basically you because told them like hey look and this is what i'm gonna do and this can yeah. help you out in the long run yeah cool it's, it was just kind of like hey i got this idea and i you know it See, people will just <laughs> open the door for you if they get something from it. <laughs> They'll be like, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's even, like, worse, dude, because, like, some of the... I'm not going to name the company for this company's sake, but, like, they had this project, and, like, the teacher at the end of the semester, last semester, was like, so what did you guys do that, you know, I told you this before, that yeah. high schoolers couldn't have done? And, it, you know, when you're a senior in college, that... Just Lay out leaves. the whole story, just... So, 
the the comp the the project that they were working on was a and this is a different group yeah this is a completely different class. group yeah but so you were in class with a group of people and professors were in and professors group. and each group had to come up with their own senior project Correct. thing to do and then one group they were working on a what was a grill uh, which might give away too much <laughs> grill <laughs> yeah um, but basically they're working a grill and they were working with who was a alumni student or now working for that company and he gave them the project which was basically take a grill and then for the first half of the semester was to create a bill of uh parts basically and then from that bill of parts be able to simulate a the how they package it currently and then how could they save time in packaging it um but the problem in this that what they wound up doing wrong was they only they simulated them packing it Rather than going to a field, like at an actual packing facility, and and seeing the actual people do it, they just right. They just like put the shit in the box and like, oh, that took us thirty seconds. Right. Yeah. They did, and they didn't also like there's statistical analysis that's involved because you have to do you know thousands and thousands of trials over long you know with right, a ninety five percent confidence interval yep, and all yep, that stuff. Yep. So. Long like to cut it a little short, the, the the professors in the room were like, wait, like they're just poking holes. So what did they create that was so bad? Because it just from that point that the that they started off on such a wrong foot. That yeah, it was just kind of like they after. didn't. Yeah, they just didn't have any. Like they just didn't really do anything. Like they kind of just. And they were just supposed perform, to make something for do sixteen weeks, basically. For sixteen weeks, they never. Built they made like a part list. They. You know, but that was just like a bill of materials, and like, they were trying to create something that would increase the speed of yeah. the packaging. Yeah, but the data point they started at was just wrong. Was wrong off the bat. So even if they did do something that was better than their starting point, they wouldn't know if it was actually better right. because they didn't fucking look at the statistics. <laughs> right, because they didn't have that data set, and that's not even—I don't think their fault per se. I think it's the fault of the person that's the, the co company contact. So because somebody was supposed to tell them this is what you're fucking supposed to do. Right. He, he should have been giving them data sets that, hey, here's what the facilities are using, probably offshore in China, probably. Mm -hmm. This is what the times are looking at right now, and this is what we're trying to... Here's, like, some things to go off of and then figure it out, right? You know, right. plug and chug and whatever, like... Figure it out. But it, when you're a student, you don't have access to the data of, like, what the manufacturing facilities are using for trying to improve it or whatever. Like, it's just... They could... F my... I don't <laughs> want to give them... You know, uh, completely. I don't want to put them off the hook. You know? No, I mean, I'm not. But because I'm to some degree, it seems like they didn't. So long as you know that you should get that information, you can fucking find that information. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you should be cognizant of the and ask the question like, hey, what is like just right. If, <laughs> if your goal is really to figure this out, then that question will show itself. It should be number one. Right. Right. Because <laughs> if you're really like, oh, I really do want to find a way to increase this and whatever, then immediately increase implies that you know where you're coming from. So right, You yeah. know the baseline. And so that question of, oh, well, what is it taking? How long does it take you for to pack to pack this? Is immediately a question yeah. that pops up in my and, mind. And they did some, like, weird, like, simulations. Like, they had, like, a simulated conveyor belt of, like, here's how many stations they have now. And then they did somehow extrapolate it into, like, how many stations they could have. I don't know where, like, they, that was just, where does that come from? yeah, they don't, I don't know how they got that or whatever. And that's basically a lot of the questions that the professors were having. There's like, so they had, all, so they present this project and what happens? They, the teachers just rip them a new one. And like I said, in the beginning is like, so what did you guys do that a high school or in, in college couldn't do? Mind you, these students have been at NAU for four years or transfers. So at least four years of college 
on top of it. So, like, it just... That's not a good feeling to have. Right. Like, like, the entire room... And this is in front of every other project. This isn't, like... In private, this is in front of right. This everyone. is in public. This is yeah. public embarrassment. <laughs> yeah. Well, you probably shouldn't have fucked up. <laughs> like, like, listen, I I get that that blows ass to I mean, be in that kind of a situation oh, yeah. where you're being publicly embarrassed and pro- and rightfully publicly embarrassed. You know what I mean? So right. you can't even be like, "Wow, this guy's an asshole." It's more like, "Yikes!" Oh, we yeah. fucked up. Like when the. When the weight of the that immediately <laughs> falls on your shoulders, it's like, oh boy. Yeah. So that sucks that they're in this situation, but kind of your fault. Yeah, I don't know. When you're an engineering student, you should be asking yourself questions like that. Like, you should be trying to be an engineer. Right, yeah. Like, this is your time to shine, is what, basically what it is. Like, this is your your baby, and sure, it's maybe someone's an advisor, but they're not your boss right. yet. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like they're there wow. to help you and nudge you like in the right directions, but not hold your hand through the process. Yeah. Now the answer would be not at all. Not right. going to be your boss. Right. Because yeah. How like if you try to get a job with that advisor now, that should be the other thing in your mind. This yeah. is a potential employer. Yeah. Especially if you're working for an outside company. Yeah. Their help. They're, they asked specifically for like, hey, we need a group of students that can help work on this project. Right. Yeah. So and those people volunteered to work with them on top of that. So it's like even. I don't know. It just feels weird to me. You know, like... Well, they dropped... They didn't uphold (laughs) their end of the bargain, basically. They didn't live up to the expectation. The unspoken contract. (laughs) Yeah, their responsibilities were neglected. So... Yeah. You suffer the consequences of that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... And then the other side of it is, like... So, just, like, how I got to the idea... Is it felt like a lot of these projects because we got to so the way the class is set up is it's incoming senior design students so it's split into two semesters first semester you get your project and then you come up with your design and like what do you want to build at the end of it second semester is okay now that you have your design order all your parts start putting everything together make it real um, so as an incoming senior design student we get to see people who are finishing their projects and then like where they're at and like that. Um, so you get a really good idea of where you want, what you kind of want to do. Right, and you even get a sense of what the expectation right, is. Right, yeah. You can see exactly how that project um, unfolds. But a lot of it, it seems like the 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 bar feels set super low, almost, and, like, they almost feel like they're just projects to be projects, but beyond the, the school's thing, like, they just don't feel like they have a... Right, it's a project for an A, not a project for the world. Yeah, and I feel like that's such wasted potential, like... Because I just was listening to a podcast. Um, it's short-sightedness. Yeah, right. It is. It, it just because like the there's a I don't know if I've talked to you, but I've been talking to a lot of people about it. But there's a, there's a website called Not Impossible, and I'm actually writing a blog post about this because I was so in like enamored by what they're doing. Uh-huh. And so the, the company is is a guy. His name is Mick Ebling, and he he started a company. He was originally a video producer for like commercials, which is totally random. Um, so he's not an engineer by training, which is my point. Right. And so he got this story, and he's like, like he they had met deaf people, right? And they're like, so why can't we like? And there was like other stories along with this, but basically the brain is the hub of sensory input, right? And so deaf people can't hear, but it's not their brain isn't broken; it's the input to the brain, the ears. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, so how do we make? Deaf right. people hear again. We or can like, bypass the input. Right. Yeah, basically. It's exactly the words, too, that he uses in the podcast. Oh. <laughs> so he's like, so when you think about what, like, what do deaf people miss the most? Or not miss the most, but music, right? They can't really 
interpret music the way we do with our ears because mm-hmm. they lose the nuance, right? They feel the bass the sound speakers. is gone. It, it reverberate, the they feel vibration, right? That's how they their music is felt, but they mm-hmm. don't have you know the complexity anymore. The 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 sound itself, yeah. Is gone. So they so they just stand in front of speakers. Have you ever seen a deaf person in a, in an actual like um, concert? Concert, yeah. So Mick was like, so how do we do this, right? So he was working with like one of his mad scientist guys that helps him on his projects, and basically they came up with a system that is it called a, like a vibration suit. So you wear like a vest, and you get like, these wrist and ankle mounted uh, mo- motors basically that they then turn the music into. Vibrate so like the guitars will be at your wrist, and okay, then so different m- instruments feel different places, and then because of neuroplasticity of the brain, it re- it's able to remap those sensations and be like oh like once you tell the person that's what they're feeling, they're able to get all of the nuance back of music and experience it in a new way. Okay, so the way <laughs> in which it vibrates then informs their themselves and their brain what instrument's playing yeah. and it adds the layers back into the yeah, music exactly. that they lost otherwise. Yeah. Cool. And so, but this guy, like I said, is he's not an engineer and he's using technology that's like something a senior could use in college. You know? Like he's using like Raspberry Pis, like real simplistic, like it's not thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, maybe it is thousands of dollars like because of effort, but creating something like that I'm like why can't you just you know give a project like that to like a senior in high school and like he helped with a a separate project for a man who was paralyzed he was a graffiti artist and sculptor and you know the Stephen Hawking device where he sits in the wheelchair and uses eye tracking to be able to speak Mm -hmm. you know those things are super expensive from like an insurance standpoint and just health insurance in general that technology is not really widely available because of the price point so he's like, we need to figure out a way to make this more available. Mm-hmm. So they designed a system that's now called the iRider, and then you can go online and you see this thing, and it's basically cameras that are set up underneath their eyes, like sunglasses, and so it tracks the eyes, and then he's able to make art again. And they they did a story where they they use these glasses, and they actually helped. Um, he designed a sculpture in 3D software, and then he had they sent those plans over to a person to actually sculpt it out, and then they brought it to an art show. And people were like, wow, this is amazing, you know? Like, who did this piece? And then, you know, they would read the bio piece and like, wait, he's actually paralyzed? So it makes it even more magical. Right, it adds another layer on <laughs> And it's the just art. like, when you hear these stories, like, you know, he just goes and, like, tries to do these things that, you know, someone just like, well, we need more money for it. Like, no, you just try. And then you just come up with a solution that's more accessible than any other solution before that. And then, like, kind of to bring the story in full circle is in the podcast when it came out, I think it was two weeks ago, um, that first invention for the vibro suit for the deaf people. So they took those wrist mounted motors and what they did is they, they had an idea and basically what it is, is it is they can now mount them or they're going to be selling them in about two months where you put them on someone who's Parkinson's and somehow the, the, the motors themselves will counteract the shaking hand of a person with Parkinson's so that their <laughs> hand is completely straight. That's kind of neat. It's, and it's like, you know, it, that's a super low-tech, like, maybe not low-tech, but, you know, it's like elegant solution that's kind of simplistic on the surface. So to, what is it, why is it that we have these intro college students or these high school students that when they make their projects, they forget all about the possibility of actually making an impact, instead choose to create something for the shallow goal of a decent passing grade? Yeah. 
Because, like, you know, I was even talking to one of the guys at work, and I was like, you know, why can't you just, like, even if it's just an idea and it doesn't work by the end of the semester, then just give it, like, pass it to the next people behind you. Because there's always going to be more people, you know, mm-hmm. that need a project and say, you know, if someone loves it, then they'll jump on board with it. I mean, but if you just give someone a purpose like that, like, who doesn't want to help people with Parkinson's? It's, like, one of the most horrible diseases ever. You right. know, <laughs> your just, own body's betraying you. <laughs> you could find... If you can just find something that applies to the person that they're interested in, you know what I mean? Like, if yeah. somebody just likes music, you'd be like, oh, let's make a cool, like, make a new speaker or something, you know what yeah. I mean? Anything at all that can that can be of interest to the people that are... Doing it. That are doing it and has an impact beyond just their grade. Just being a final project. I think that having that, that higher aim that you're going towards above just what's going on for the classroom forces you to or almost pulls you forward and upward in some sense right yeah it pulls you into a good grade from the class it's not that it becomes a byproduct like you can get an a not because you were aiming for an a but because you were aiming for something more impressive than an a because you're aiming at a goal like this is something that has meaning behind it it's not just a project for project's sake right (laughs) yeah that that was kind of one of the projects that was the, the uh, people were working on last year it was for um, disability assisting so they were working with eye track kind of like eye, similar stuff like this where they're mm-hmm. working with eye tracking so that someone could be able to like remotely use a um, wheelchair or something like that so they look it's like an exploration of technology is how you would apply something like that right so that if you looked up a certain like if you looked in certain directions it would move in those directions kind of so similar to the iRider type That'll concept. be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah, well, they, they finished last semester, so they were able to get a... They did a scale model of, like, an RC car that they were controlling instead of a full-sized wheelchair. Oh, so they could... Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but it was pretty cool. Like, it had... It was kind of like two projects kind of married together along the same lines, which is... But you, if... I mean, take that just to, like... I've been watching trailers for Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah, which is going to be dope. But (laughs) that aside, (laughs) that aside, it's it's like you could imagine a future where that eye tracking technology can allow you to use uh, robots or whatever other piece of tech as an extension of self without being without it being intrusive. You Hmm. could have instead of RC cars, you can have like vacuum cleaners you know you could have your iRobot yeah, can vacuum you, can cleaner you, can you imagine all you just the vacuum like, just by you looking you around you just go like this and it like turns on some sort of like autonomous vacuum cleaner in your house and you're just like you're not even you're not physically moving but the vacuum cleaner you're controlling the vacuum cleaner just you know yeah. going around your house kind of you could do everything you could do that kind of stuff remotely or yeah exactly any number of things you could have a security system in your house that that tracks onto your eyes so that when you move your eyes you can move the camera and see mm-hmm. something around the corner or whatever right yeah. you know anything crazy cool like that like you could do that we're not even far away from that kind no. of shit yeah I mean that's the whole idea of not impossible too because the way he says it like in the beginning his like his like business speech about the company or like the idea behind it is basically everything we have today you know this computer how we're doing this podcast that at one point people thought it was black magic they thought it was you know satan or whatever it was they said it was impossible you can't do that you can't go faster than the speed of sound right yeah you can't leave earth or whatever like but it is possible now right so the thing he says is just whatever you think is impossible now it will be possible at some point in the future so why not try now (laughs) yeah it's that easy right you know that's you have to have a vision beyond this moment in some sense just yeah, the, well, the simple stuff at the surface 
that's like a trap everyone is is in in right now. And like, yeah. for me, like one of the biggest things too is like anything biomedical related, like with disability and your body just deteriorating, is kind of has like a sweet spot for me since my dad is he's got really bad knees with arthritis and things like that. So whenever I like, you know, just being around it, it kind of like makes you acutely aware of like, you know, some like of these something could be done. Yeah. Like there's, there could be some way to fix it. Right. And like kind of going, we'll tangent into 2077 in a little bit um, to once we get off of the school subject. Yeah. But like, I just think, you know, when you, when you have it, like if you just sit that round and think like, okay, what are problems that are around me? Like, don't think about your problems. Right. Unless it's something specific, like what, you know, but if you think about the people around you and you're like, well, what if, like, I tried to fix that, you know? Like, my dad, Just you know? <laughs> pick a thing. Yeah. That'd be cool. You know, make your life easier. Like, one of the other ideas that I had that I'm not really sure how I want to do, but would be able to take a document and, like, put it in, like, some sort of scanning software. Like, you take a picture with your phone, right? And then after you have a picture of that document, you have, it runs itself through a software and then turns it into an audio file. So you can have instantaneous audiobooks, basically. Mm. That's pretty neat. I know. Wouldn't that be cool, right? Like, say you want to, like, study, but you're like, fuck, I want to go to the gym and run or whatever. Like, you could just turn your notes into... I would turn my fucking textbook into an audio. That's my point! I would be like, all right, I got to read chapter this. Oh, my God. Can you... All the fucking reading I, I did know. for my history class. Sweet... G- which, a Doesn't lot that of which sound I amazing? Like, I just think, like... And then, or you could do, like... The, the other part of this is that you could get, like, selective with it. So, say you highlighted certain sections or something, and you want to turn that into, like, audio notes... You could just, like, have it read, like, highlights on the page, right? As long as you could just save it in an audio file. I love the idea. I know. I love the idea of, hey, you're assigned this reading for next week. Fuck, it's 20 pages. I got a lot of shit to do. And I want to go to the gym. Fuck it. Audiobook that shit. Yeah, I know. I'm going to listen to that reading at the <laughs> gym. I don't got time for this and, shit. And it exists. It's just how do you get it to make it exist is, my, is where I'm at right now. And I think... I need to figure out who knows <laughs> software, but I just think that it would be a really convenient idea for people because we should do that. I know. I kind of want to. That's a good idea. We should just do that. <laughs> I, I got to talk to some software people, but <laughs> we could absolutely. We'll talk later. Yeah. <laughs> Pet project. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, that's just, that's just I, I like you said. I have these weird ideas that just pop into my brain, and like, how do you? You know, improve. We need we need standings. more friends in more places. And it's honestly though, with with this podcast in the last since we had our first guest one last year, not to get meta with it. <laughs> oh well, did we? Was that last year that we were in California? Are you talking about the hundred Mots one or? Well, that one, and then last week with Wyatt, because oh. we had I'd Wyatt on. Well, not last week, like two weeks now, but right, right. With him, like, now it's kind of, like, ramping up where I can kind of show people this and, like, I showed everyone at work and everyone's at work is, like, really behind it and I got, like, people, it's just weird, like, when, when you talk about it and people are like, yeah, that sounds really interesting, you know, or, like, door Hello. Opened. <laughs> I was like, what is it? I'm like, that was really weird. It's that like, was background noise, somebody it, opening a door. It's really surreal when you hear it through headphones. Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, but basically, like, it's weird how many people are behind the idea of having real conversations. You know, there's like a, there's like a, not, I wouldn't say underground because when podcasts are kind of huge right now, but like when you're having these conversations now, people are kind of like into it and like they're into the sense that they can get like a nuanced viewpoint of like, you know, what do people really think about? You know, like I kind of, you know, to me, this feels the, like the antidote to social media in a sense. Where, like, social media is all about being quick, you know, snippety, yeah. memey, whatever. 
that it's this weird uh it's this weird like cheap fast it's almost like the mcdonald's of social interaction yeah exactly you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> like you could be having a legitimate five course meal right. of fucking ribeye just reverse seared and like scalp potatoes yeah. and all kinds of delicious <laughs> shit God, that sounds so good right <laughs> you could be having that in a conversation but instead social media you go on facebook and you get your fucking midnight fix of a triple cheeseburger from mcdonald's yeah I feel like shit the next day but hey whatever i guess it's filled yeah. your stomach and it, it's unbelievable i can't help but think that this return to long form conversation is a reaction to the social media age i think so too because it's you know it was kind of goes in line with what we were talking about i think in podcast nine with the depression one where it's kind of like how to mitigate the the negatives of the things we create kind of you mm-hmm. know social media you know try not to watch too much tv or you know right, right. fixing things and you kind of have to you know you have to self-limit or self you know if the two point you have to be disciplined right and you know we're getting to this point where these things have matured and there's not going they're never going away right they're just not and so now it's up to the users to be mindful of what they do and then and the creators to be responsible right that, that too. information yeah. Which if you saw, there's a, I haven't watched the full thing. I've only watched. Was it the Jordan Peterson one? No, no. It was a former, one of the big programmers from Facebook who left. Oh. Talking at Stanford. I saw that snap, snippet clip when they were talking about what the psycho- psychology of it is. Yeah. It's basically designed to be addictive. And they're right. like, oh, we all knew it. We I mean, knew it, that. It hits the right buttons for the, like, they've done it. Like, it, it hits dopamine receptors every time you see a like, every time yep. you get a notification or a comment. That's it's why like gambling. The, it's the best thing you can do is on your phone, turn off every single notification you can. Turn off everything. That's what I do. I, I have only notifications I get are from text messages. That's it. I don't have any other notification on there because I know that if I see the red little thing on my phone, I'm going to have to open it and make sure it goes away. Yep. And, like, you have to self-select for these things because, then you know, the systems are designed to turn on notifications. Like, one of the notorious ones is... Uh, Facebook Messenger. So when you when you go in and log in into Facebook Messenger on your phone, it leaves a little thing around your little profile thing. It says tells you to turn on notifications because they want you to start using it like your text message app. And you're just like, I don't. I'm like, nope. I will never do it because I'm like, I don't need more. You know, it's like cutting through the signal versus noise ratio. Like the more inputs you have, like, you know, it's, it's like one of those things you have to kind of realize. Like. It's, you hear it a lot from people in the working world too is about um like email that just becomes a trap where you become more and more reactionary mm-hmm. to the things coming you know the, the the little thing coming in like the sand you know i don't know if you've seen that analogy of like you have a jar and it's like your attention span and if you put all of the sand in first all the big rocks and stuff don't get, have space mm-hmm. right and then uh, <laughs> if you put in the sand in after all the rocks are in they fill in the gaps yes Right, so deal with the big stuff first. Exactly. You know, it's like there's another one. Is it's the important and urgent scale. <laughs> so there's two different things. So you want to deal with the stuff that's like the important and urgent will take care of itself, and then the imp- the unimportant but or the important but not urgent stuff. So like say working out or like the things you value as a person, mm. 
those things won't you have to bake in time to your schedule to figure those things out right you know and so like when you when you kind of think about it on like that spectrum i think is another like an important metric like you have to figure out what you value right like eating healthy is not you know urgent but if you value it as a thing then you then you'll make you have to make time to do those things or or Build it, build it into your schedule to have access to those things. Like I use ButcherBox now. I'm not sponsored, so first this one's free. If only. <laughs> not sponsored, so this one's free. <laughs> but I, I use them because, like you know, if I wanted to go buy that from like a Whole Foods or something, that would cost me like twice as much, you know, to pay for it. And this way, it's sent to me. You know, it it just comes out all at once, and I don't have to think about it because, like, you know. When you're thinking about money, you're like, oh, I don't really want to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> when it's automatic, you don't think about it as much, and then you kind of just bake it in as like, this is happening every whatever schedule you set it onto, and then you just have it, you know, and then you want to reap the benefits. What kind of do you? What chicken can you? Chicken. Do that kind of shit? You can do. You can. I do. You can do custom box, so you can pick all the cuts of meat you want, which is oh. really cool. Homie, how often does it deliver? Uh, you can set up to do either monthly or bi-monthly. I have a bi-monthly. Because I'm because only, only one person. I can show you after this the all the cuts of meat I just got in. I have to see in. if it's if it's cheaper than buying a fuckload of chicken at Costco. It's that last me a 120, while. 120, I think, a month. a month for one month. But if you obviously if right, it's two and months, it depends on the cuts you get. And no, it flat. doesn't depend on the cuts. You get. Flat, yeah, one twenty chicken. It's like six ninety nine or can something. You pick the, so I can get ribeye, bro. I'll show you when we go upstairs. I can get lamb. I don't think you get. You might be able to get like specials. They do a special cuts every month. I have lamb lamb rack because that's. I can make some mean lamb rack. Listen, I'm I'm hungry. I'm getting hungry. Since we started talking about these four course meals, now we're talking about this shit. I got some steak that's already thought out. Steak tips. We can go make those after this if you want to. Well, fine. Twist back. (laughs) You can make your you know seared up like you're talking about. I'll do the fuck out of that. (laughs) Wait, homie. You haven't had a steak this good. We'll we'll post it on Instagram afterwards so people can see. But yeah, like you know, just kind of like those things where you where you bake in things that you find like add value to that are not important but are or that are not urgent but important to right. you. right i got it that's that's the first step is the hardest for that kind of shit it's starting it's getting it routinized <laughs> yes you know where you do that consistently like i have a hard time doing the writing stuff me too like really sitting down and writing like it can be a motherfucker it can be so you'll just i'll just stare at the fucking mm-hmm. page you're like, ugh, I'm like, I right. don't know yeah. what to say. It's just like, it's like manual labor right. of just grinding out this shit. But sometimes, you know, you have like, I wrote an article recently that I'm going to, it's up on um, Squarespace. But it's not, thing, yeah, it's not. But I haven't published it yet, right, yeah. which I think I might do tonight. I should probably do it before this podcast comes out, so I should. Go yeah, go ahead. That. But um, I can wait a couple days. I was able to do it. that one. I basically did that all in one night. I was like, listen, really? You're just in the zone. I was like, I'm gonna. I I was like in the zone, and then I was like, listen, I've done this before. Uh, where I get in the zone, and I'll write like four pages, Damn. and then I never <laughs> go back to it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I am finishing this fucking thing <laughs> tonight. <laughs> so funny. help me God. So I was up to the latest fuck doing it, and. Basically finished the first draft, and I've gone back a couple, a few times now and re-edited everything nice. up and cleaned it up, which I should probably do again. But at this point, I'm almost like, if I keep editing it, one, it's like I, I could send it to someone to get it looked at, but I don't know if I really want to do that just because it's a weird creative piece. Oh, okay. So 
I wanted to. It's more of like do, an explorative. Right. I wanted to do some philosophizing, like like just thinking. I just want to be creative and think. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's gonna be cool. But and like I haven't done anything. People like it. I, I'm or interested. Have at least be. comments to say about it. So I wrote a little bit of philosophizing in the form of a letter. Oh, that's cool. So I had somebody write a letter about to- a handful of topics that all tie into what I was trying to talk Articulate. about. So I don't know if I sent it to the person that I have in mind anyway, if I sent it to that person that they would get it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then we might be being on a different page with somebody that helps edit your work can be. Right. Yeah. Exa- uh, it can be difficult. It, because it's a kind of a daunting task to be an editor because you don't want to destroy the voice of the person. Like you don't want to rewrite the piece in your yeah, own image. <laughs> right, exactly. You don't want to rob it of what makes it yeah. something from that individual and making yeah. it your own because that's to it's to get neither really because yeah. you don't get your own thing because you didn't make it and that person doesn't get the thing they created anyway because now you've killed it. Right. So, but that can be difficult. So I'm hesitant. I think I might just publish it as is, even though I'm sure there's plenty of mistakes in there. Right. Just. And it's not super, like, I could really go deep and it's really, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I could really try to lay it out, like, by argument, like, premise by premise. Yeah. But I don't think that works with the, what the thing is. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think I need to just take a leap of faith with this one and just put it out there. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like the analysis by paralysis, or paralysis analysis, where you just sit there and you edit it and edit it forever and ever, and then and it never, never yeah. re- release it to the world, and, like... You know, because it's never going to be perfect, right? It's the, the chase for it. So, it, yeah. you know, for me, it's like kind of weird. Like, the more I've been writing lately, the more it's like I feel like I've kind of have like my own styles coming through finally. Like I can feel the your voice forming, right? Yeah, like the like I can feel like I'm adding emotion to it, and like I've kind of kind of get this acute way of like when you when you read a good writer, like the Michael Pollan's book, is is like you can really feel this like it's. It's nonfiction writing, but it's written in such a way that it's like he's sprinkling in the nonfiction, but in an interesting way, right? He's like that master craftsman of storytelling. You liven it up. It's right. not yeah. some relaying of the facts anymore. It's not it's just, just a flowing presentation yeah. of what's and going like, on. When you read it, it's like he he's laying out these like transitional things, like because like historical in the beginning about like the psychedelic history in the sixties and seventies, and then further, mm-hmm. like all these key figures, and like he like. It's like laid out a narrative, like almost like a storytelling where it's like, oh, this person started here and then he like had a conference with this person and then they talk about him for a little bit and like how he met another person. And like, you know, it's like this web is being built. Like you could almost like take a, a thumbtack board and like see how each person's connected. And like you kind of get like the spider web of, you know, these are the people working behind the scenes almost right. of these things. And I'm like, that's a true craftsman of like writing, right? To be able to like weave this narrative and like I almost find it especially apparent if you're reading an audiobook because then it's being read by someone who's not the writer mm-hmm. and you're not stopping and starting and getting distracted by the page you're just hearing the full flowing presentation of it and right. so you get this really interesting like perspective on it and like the the other one is biographies I'm listening to um Walter Isaacson's um Benjamin Franklin and he, the way he writes is the same thing. It feels like a story, and you get, like, this really nuanced view of, like, who he was as a person. Like, you, it's like you're almost, like, learning about him, not just, like, like who he was and, like, how his writings affected the time. Like, it's, it's really, like, I wouldn't say dense because it's not boring, but it makes it interesting. Like, it feels alive. 
Like it's a recapturing of the essence right, of right. who the person was, I guess, is the best way to say it. I'm not done with that one yet because it's like 20 hours, but like that's a few hours into it. And it's just Whatever, really put it on the book list. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be there. And I think, you know, I think if you, especially for uh, Benjamin Franklin, he's a very interesting character. And obviously there's things people aren't going to agree with because he's alive a long, long time yeah. ago. But he's very um, contemporary in the sense for a lot of the mentalities that we have today. And like just who like he was the first and per- first person to basically create the self help category of books with <laughs> the Poor Richard's Al- Almanac, and you know he had like twelve virtues like how to live and orient your life and like kind of like orienting yourself that way and like I feel like some of the stuff that people are nowadays like within the podcasting realm and like taking tips that work in other people's lives like how they orient themselves and then applying it in your own life yeah is very much a part of that and I think. You know, self-help gets like a bad rap because, like, because of the snake oil salesmen of yeah, the past, yeah. and Doctor Oz's, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 stuff like that. Where it's just they kind of eh. But like when you actually hear someone that actually this is how he lived his life and then applied it, you know, it, it makes right. it. More There's this lot. It can work if you have a person that did something and isn't trying to tell you the best way to do things, but rather they're just like, listen, I did it like this. Yeah, take it or leave it. Yeah, do whatever you want with it. I don't give a fuck. I think this that's is just how thing. it goes. This I think is just that's just the best way to do it too. Is I think people have lost like a an experimental like mindset of how they orient their own lives, mm-hmm. where where they kind of like just pick up a habit and like, well, that's how I do it. Like, yeah. you know, they don't have to. They don't think about a different way of doing they have it. This I am idea that they are this thing kind of yeah. set. And it's just like, set somehow. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Like, that seems like a bad idea to me. Kind of like back to the neuroplasticity thing. (laughs) Right. You're plastic. So let it happen. I think people are a process. Absolutely. I don't think think anyone is. I think people are becoming. Yes. It's a never-ending thing, too, because, like, you're you're always learning something new or there's always something you could try to, you know, like the same thing with food, right? It's Mm -hmm. easy to go to McDonald's. It's not so easy to go make your own food and, like, think about grass-fed this or organic that. Like, that just makes... Some people's brains hurt. That's the fuck are macronutrients? <laughs> what is this? Right. I don't know. It's, it's just once you start taking a more nuanced opinion of things and like, like I said, the gradient, I've been really viewing everything on a gradient. It's like finding that midpoint, right? Yeah. That uh, <laughs> Aristotelian mean of virtue. Yeah. You know, balancing the good with the bad because some of, like, some of the bad isn't really bad. It's just when you take it to the extreme, the vices, I guess. Right. <laughs> it's it's any virtue. It's the, Any virtue has its vice. Yeah, there you know, go. Again, <laughs> you can take a virtue to its extreme and it becomes a vice. It loses the thing that made it virtuous. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other thing is just like, you know, people, I bet there's people out there like, how do you have the time to do all the things we do, right? You know, like books or reading or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest things is I would I would say is like, Turn like time that feels wasted, like driving or something, and like do something with that time. You know, like audiobooks or podcasts are great because you can do it while doing almost anything. Right, you can just <laughs> convert whatever it was you're doing into this, into yeah. a, an opportunity for learning. Mm-hmm. Which is dope. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like looking for those things is kind of hard too because you're just like, oh, like stuck in traffic. I'm already frustrated. Like, yeah. <laughs> But if you look at it a different way, you're like, well, maybe I could just turn on, like, even if it's just music and it relaxes you, like, that's better than being frustrated. Right. <laughs> and it, and it, so long as it moves you in the right direction. Yeah, and it net positive. On, yeah, right, exactly. Net positive. If it's a net positive thing, then you're producing, then you're you are creating, not atrophying. Yeah. 
which stagnation. Is what, which is literally exactly what my fucking article. No, re- really, I'm, I'm, my, I'd my probably thing. love to read that. Honestly, it'll be interesting because I really feel like, you know, when I was thinking about the neuroplasticity, I was writing it in the article for the not impossible stuff. I was just like. You know that that saying you can't teach an old dog new tri- tricks is like some one of the like it's saying, wrong. It's one of those things that needs to die. You know, like it's <laughs> not even true psychologically. Like right, we literally I mean. talked <laughs> about that. We talked about that for um, when we were doing developmental uh, at this developmental cycle. Oh, course, really? That near the end of life, that there's that idea of the old dog and new yeah. tricks, and that that's not true. That a lot of the times, even retirees get into new things in order to. To learn to grow, right? Yeah. Even later in life, and that this idea that somehow you you are going to calcify and just turn to this statue thing and then decay—it feels not true. Sad to think about that. Like people that get stuck in that hole, I guess. Yeah, it it's is. a little rough. I guess the word to wrap up would be: so, what classes do you have going into the the semester? So then, like three months from now or two months from now, when. We we'll can, probably, we'll right. have another podcast of catching up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can just talk about like a little brief segue. So I got uh, Japanese one. Ooh, so that's, uh, that'll start, be fun. I'm starting the language. <laughs> this will be interesting. It's a fucking five credit hour course. So I'm, Jesus it's Christ. every day. I'll be. Is it really? Japanese. Yeah. Oh my god. To some extent, there's like two lectures during the week and then three discussions. I mean, you gotta immerse um, yourself in that stuff, anyways. Yeah, if I'm fine you really want to learn it. Listen, I'm stoked. I'm I know ready. you are. I'm ready for a little, you know, Japanese. We'll um, come home and order in Japanese at the ramen place. Dude, I'll, I'll, I'll try. I can say that I'm drinking beer, obviously. Watashi wa biru nonde imasu. Wow. You even got the accent a little bit. Aye. <laughs> That's pretty good. But, um, so I'm taking Japanese. Um, and what else? Uh, behavioral neuroscience Ooh. and cognition. So I'm taking the, a, Those are two be, brain classes. And I'm already into that, and I'm not even. <laughs> it's gonna be, it'll be interesting. Yeah, we're reading uh, the one of the required books is The Selfish Gene by Dawkins. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. that's one like, of the most recommended business books still to this day, or most influential business books. Really, to this day. Dawkins? Yeah, huh? Because it because the the Selfish Gene, you know, is like the survival of the fittest, basically, right, right. as applied to business. You know, that's with, pretty right. You can take that and the, turn the it Microsoft, into you know, the Darwinism old school Microsoft was yeah was was really like that, where it would just destroy competitors. You know, if they didn't submit to the will, then they would just buy them out or elbow them out of the market because yeah, it's super competitive. Yeah, right. I mean, well, the that mentality is has a bad rap, and perhaps for a reason. Um, and I'm not sure that's entirely what Dawkins meant. By no. the selfish gene, I don't think it's selfish as in self-centered necessarily, but pr- the likelihood of propagation, which in a social mm, environment okay. means yeah. that you also have to take in that variable of yeah. dealing with other people. So I don't know if you can be hyper-competitive without the consideration of others, yeah, without exactly. it eventually collapsing, right? But yeah. that aside, maybe I can elaborate on it after we've yeah, read the fucking cool. book. I've never, <laughs> I've never read the book yet either, so I... It was just sort of being interesting to, to actually use that in like an actual like school setting to see how that gets analyzed like more deeply than it would be otherwise. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm stoked for that. That'll be really interesting. When I saw that we were reading that, I was like, oh fuck yeah! I've been, That's cool. I've been mean to read Dawkins forever, right? Like the God Delusion and yeah. the Selfish Gene, and just have not got you know it's just <laughs> one more fucking thing on the list. But now it's now I'll have this uh, incentive. That's neat. So that's what I'm doing. How about you? 
I know you do your senior class. Yeah, just senior design and stuff like that. I'm actually debating whether or not I want to put a blog post together with it, like, working and stuff like that, because this is my project. You know? <laughs> just do updates. Yeah, it'll be, like, a cool little update like, thing of, like, what we got working and kind of use it as an instructable so people could try and make it on their own. Right, whatever, just, like... <laughs> that'd be cool. Put it out there in the world and see where it goes. Because I want to talk to your company to see if they've wrong. got... Yeah. Because if they're cool with that, just because yeah, if you're giving <laughs> this thing to them afterward or whatever. Yeah. But, it's built with their money, but... It won't okay. be any secrets. But yeah, that's cool. But this is kind of just an update for the summer, where we what we've been doing since then, and What's where we're going. <laughs> All right. Sweet. Well, everybody, this is uh, podcast number 11. Yep. Sweet. Sayonara. <laughs> You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.